This is AgriFutures On Air, brought to you by AgriFutures Australia, driving innovation in Australian agriculture. Hello, welcome to AgriFutures On Air. I'm Jane Cudahy. Luke Austin has always felt the pull towards a career in aquaculture. Growing up on the coast at Coffs Harbour, he was afforded a curiosity into the development of a sustainable and robust industry from a young age. Now, as one of AgriFutures Australia's Horizon Scholarship cohort, he's not only had many doors opened into a future career following his dual degree, but he's been looking at how other industries, such as forestry, affect them. As he told our journalist Judy Kennedy, he's excited about cultivating the development of innovative emerging aquatic industries to grow capacity and deliver new products and services that not only Australia will benefit from, but the world. I've always sort of had that love of the ocean and and I think that that comes sort of directly from growing up in that environment. You know, I was so fortunate to spend so much time you know, in the ocean, we have a pretty unique um, ocean environment off the coast of northern New South Wales. Um, we've got subtropical and temperate environments off there, and and I just sort of fell in love. Um, I think I think through through the end of school, it started to become apparent to me that you know there might have been uh, other things that I could follow in in that in that field after um, and make a career out of it. I think. Um, I ended up actually going on a trip up to Cape York after school. Um, it was two weeks after I finished my, my HSC down in there in Coffs Harbour. And um, I headed up, um, spent, spent two weeks on a research boat um, leaving from Cooktown, um, spending plenty of time with some sciencey people. And, and that really just changed it from, from the passion of, of what I want to do every day to um, a career that I want to wake up and be involved in every day. Was that looking at the marine debris? Yes, that's right. Hmm. Yeah, it is quite a revelation when you realise that something you've loved most of your life can actually be your job. I think that's the um, that's the ideal thing we strive for uh, in, yeah. in the end of the day when we're looking for for that career. Um, and it is it's it's all about trying to you know mix your passions um, and what you want to um, do in the world. And I think that yeah, for me, it's it's really starting to to fall into place. It's also falling into place because you're taking the steps to work through study. You've chosen a double major or a couple of specialisations in your Bachelor of Science degree at Southern Cross University. Why why choose the double and what were they? Well, I guess two's, two's better than one, um, isn't it? Um, I, I chose environmental and marine specialisation and, and, and that wasn't that wasn't the lot. There was certainly more that I could choose from, but but the two of those sort of encompassed um, the broadest sort of reach that I saw. Um, I think that there's an important intersection between the marine freshwater and marine um, environment, uh, and I, and I think you know doing my my homework and and my reading um, on on that sort of field, uh, and of course the knowledge that I gained as being a, an enthusiast over the years. I realised that I really needed to have my heads in my head in both games. Uh, that was that was going to be really important. We can't look at some of these really complex issues with our head just in the ocean. We, we have to be, you know, in, in both camps, and we have to understand how what's happening over here influences what's happening over here. And you know, reflecting now, this is my third year of, of um, studying. It, it it really has has been an important bridge 
to to make that connection and I'm and I'm really glad it's it's really paid off it's really enhanced my understanding especially now going out and being involved with with industry um it's certainly an asset to have a, a an, an understanding of, of complexities and and what that means for environmental management for production um all of those things because they're so closely linked and interconnected well, you've been very busy in your first year as a 2022 AgriFutures Horizon Scholar, um, beavering around the globe, looking at different things that, that feed into your degree. And one of the first ones I wanted to ask you about doesn't have anything to do with um, fisheries or ocean or aquaculture. You visited the Tiwi Islands up off the Northern Territory coast. What were you looking at there? Yeah, so it wasn't fish this time. I was actually looking at a forestry project um, on Melville Island, um, which is one of the Tiwi Islands. This was my first time in the Northern Territory. I get two weeks industry placement through the Horizon program, and I really wanted to set up my first year as one week in, in an industry that I was quite familiar with, an industry that I'd built a lot of connections in. And I wanted to branch out and experience something that I'd always had a burning interest in, but but never had much experience or um, been able to sort of access, I guess, from Coffs Harbour where where I live. So it was forestry. There was a really cool project that was quite complex and multifaceted, but also simple. So it sort of ticked all the boxes for me. I went up only two weeks ago. It was 46 degrees. It was pretty hot. But we were out all day collecting samples of timber from the plantations up there, and that data is going to contribute to some really important baseline data for modeling some genomics and some plant breeding technologies. And what's really important is that that plantation system is actually a community-based enterprise, uh, really. And, and the aim of the project is to improve the productivity, sustainability of the operations up there through connecting the operations with cutting-edge technology I guess um, this is this is very world leading genetic technology that that we're looking at it's important for the economic development of the area uh, it's it's Aboriginal owned lands and you know it's it's a big employment opportunity for jobs um, in the Tiwi Islands as well and I think if we can can use science and what we're coming to know of of the natural world and of production systems to actually maximize productive capability we can actually use those lands better and more productively which is a win for, for the industry a win for the people that are a part of that industry and it's also a win for the environment as well it's a very uh, beautiful environment up there absolutely it sort of dovetails into what you were talking about taking a more the holistic approach where you're not working purely on on aquaculture and things of the ocean you're looking at how that fits in the overall system and and sort of looking at a circular system because I think you said before we went on air that um uh, University of Melbourne researchers were taking DNA of the timber in the forestry which has previously been used for wood chips and they're trying to find varieties that will give the Tiwi Islands, the ability to sell, to get better returns for their timber and, and sell and grow timber that is more valuable in the world market. And and that's right. And it's also, yeah, about diversification. So, um, you know, you don't want to have all your eggs in one basket. It's a pretty, a pretty crazy, volatile world out there today. Mm. Um, 
we all know that. So, um, you know, being resilient, a resilient industry is a good industry um, in any world stage, but particularly today. And, and that's why it's really important to do that as we're staring down these, these sorts of things. Yeah, and I guess, um, you know, looking at those that beautiful Melville Island, you're living on an island, so you are living in in a space where, you know, we both live in urban areas where jobs are, are relatively plentiful and accessible. But for Tiwi Islands people, the Tiwi um, Timber Corporation would be an invaluable employer because they're on the island and they employ a whole range of different First Nations people there. That's right, and I think it brings up that other feature that there is a lot of Indigenous um, people's involvement. And, it, you know, you, you point out that island and I think, you know, when we think about an island, you know, when you've got a, a more designated area that you're, that you're working on, you've obviously got to pay more attention to what you do with that. Mm-hmm. So there has to be some sustainable um, planning and management put in place in order to ensure that that area continues to be productive, you know, and, and we did get to see see some of that as well. And I think that, that we can, can learn a lot from a lot of those practices. Yeah, for sure. Uh, the other thing that you were lucky enough to do is be invited to Japan as a guest of the government along with other research students. That sounds fantastic. What was the focus of your trip to Japan? The two focuses were to build research partnerships and collaboration uh, and also, you know, build bilateral relations between Australia and Japan. We were really fortunate to actually share our time there with groups from Thailand and Kenya, which made the experience twice as good from the from, from the science and cultural perspective. In the labs, we, we spent most of our time at Tokyo City University. In the labs, we looked at catalytic processes for biofuel production. So that was looking at using plant oils to create biodiesel. So we were looking at the different um, catalysts that might be able to be experimented in these processes as well as, and and how these catalysts might be sourced from renewable places. So for example, calcium oxide from shellfish industries where the shells are actually a waste product. And you know, further to that, looking at how waste oils might be able to be used, waste cooking oils that have already had one lifetime and obviously have got you know, barriers to just getting rid of them in the waste system and how they can be reused to actually, you know, fuel our, our cars and our and our industries. So that was really interesting. Another highlight was we got the opportunity to visit the Mirakan. Mirakan in Japan translates to the Future Museum. So it's Japan Science and Technology Agency's sort of premier science, technology everything, the future, emerging innovations and industries. And I got to visit the display on bioplastic production, looking at how we can, you know, take take genes and genetic information from bacteria that produce bioplastics and actually incorporating them into the genetic profile of living uh, plants, protists, so seaweeds, and actually having those sort of transgenic species, I guess, um, produce materials that are well, highly useful in today's world. So effectively, plants producing bioplastics, does it biodegrade? That's right, yes. So um, it, it can biodegrade into um, materials just like if a piece of plastic um, washed up on the beach, um, just like if a piece of seaweed washed up on the beach. 
So a given period of time, that's nothing comparable to the millions of years it can take some plastics to break down um, as they, you know, constantly persist in the ocean. Mm. You must have come back from Japan with your mind bursting with new ideas. Yeah, look, it was it was a really great experience. I think Japan is a destination that is just you know they're very forward thinking. They're a they're a really interesting people and culture that really places their people at the centre. But it's really aware of what's happening in the world. They don't have a humongous country, but they're really aware of some of the challenges that other countries are also facing, and they're they're really well woven and interconnected into those into those challenges and. Um, as a, you know, just about to finish my degree, it was a fantastic opportunity to really see what's out there on the global stage in terms of the opportunities. And and it really seems like it's endless. Yeah, I can imagine it would have also been, um, would have um, made you feel a lot better about some of the challenges we are facing in the world that, you know, the Japanese get the bit between their teeth and they, they really set themselves to solve and find solutions to some of these worldwide problems. So it, it's um, it's really quite inspirational. Now, closer to home, I think you've got a trip planned to Western Australia next year with your sponsor, the CRC for Development in Northern Australia. Yeah, so I'm hoping to um, head over to Western Australia. There's a, a project over there with the Sparagopsis seaweed cultivation. So the, pro- the project is developing Asparagopsis cultivation at scale. I'm really interested in, in that because the, the seaweed industry, you know, particularly Asparagopsis, has sort of moved from that original research phase to almost commercialization now in Australia, sort of following the rest of the world. And I think that that scalability factor is, is something that's really interesting to explore Obviously, Australia, we're really well placed to farm in our oceans. And, and that's the appeal to me for this project. You know, it's about being on the ground with industry and learning, you know, learning together. It's, it's sort of pretty exciting to be a student at the moment in an industry that's actually building itself around you. So you can actually play a role in, in building it. You're not coming out to an industry that's pre-established and you've got to, um, sort of conform to the normality of it to some extent um we, you know we have the power to shape to shape this around us so incredibly excited that'll that'll be the two weeks of my of my placement next year i'm going to go in looking at at what the serious possibilities are for, for australia and and how it could be expanded can you just give us a bit of an idea asparagopsis as i understand it is the red seaweed that's native to australia and its purpose is in restricting methane emissions from livestock. Is that the industry you're developing? That's right. So the seaweed produces a bioactive compound called bromoform, which prevents the formation of methane. By It does that by inhibiting an enzyme in the gut of the livestock during the digestion of, of feed. So, you know, it seems like a bit of a holy grail and i think you know i think when it was actually discovered they actually didn't believe believe their eyes when they saw the data and it's enormously effective isn't it yeah yeah so it, it's it's generally 80 to to 98 percent reductions and, and as i say finding finding that data from a body of research when you when you're conducting it you probably would fall over and think you know let's check the numbers here surely we got it wrong and i you know, I believe that's what happened and, it, and it's true it's it's a real 
win. And I think that one of the really important things is that people need to understand, and people are coming to understand, is we don't actually feed the cattle the seaweed instead of grass and feed and and um, and other things like that. It's actually only a, a supplement, I guess, like, you, you know, you take multivitamin supplements. It's only a small amount that needs to be consumed by the animals. So, again, it's it's actually a great opportunity to completely change the um, emissions you know, portfolio of, of, of an entire industry with a very small addition. Which is where the pressure is, isn't it? Because Australia and we, we saw New Zealand sign a free trade agreement with the European Union, which specified reductions in methane and carbon. And really, that's the way the world has to go. How advanced, you, you talked about being in on the ground floor of a brand new industry, how advanced is it overseas? Are we seeing meat from ruminants that have been fed asparagopsis pellets on the market yet? Yeah, I believe I believe we're a few months into that. Europe's been certainly fast to, to get moving. I think you're right. Not everyone might might feel this way, but I think we've we've come to the point where we have to plan that net zero is a serious factor and, and it is inevitable because it is inevitable. As again, whether everyone um, believes so or not, that's a factor of, of business now in, in our world today. So we, we might as well get moving on, on how we can can support that rather than than fight it. Mm. Um, and so it's looking at those opportunities. You know, it's, it's learning from, from what's happening overseas, you know, watching, watching them with, you know, eager intent and, and then being really adaptable and um, taking that and really applying it to locally here. So learning over there and, um, you know, letting it inspire us and motivate us locally. Because again, you know, Australia, we might be sort of lagging behind a little bit, but we have such a great opportunity in Australia, our geography, our size, you know, that's why we've sort of been a, a premier agriculture destination for for a really long time and it's because we are gifted with a really really great conditions absolutely i think agrifutures would probably say too that um it's also because we can offer horizon scholarships to people like yourself and keep that that sort of exchange of ideas really powering up but i think you told me that you didn't really feel like you qualified for a horizon scholarship what's your feeling having been in the thick of it now associating with you, your fellow scholars, getting that exchange of ideas, doing that practical um, experience in Japan, the Tiwi Islands, WA. How are you feeling about it now? Would you encourage someone to apply for a scholarship? Look, absolutely. I think that the advice should always be to apply and encourage anyone to apply for a scholarship. You're right. First year uni, I saw this scholarship pop up the Agri-Futures Horizon Scholarship. You know, I thought I'm studying in science. Science is kind of similar to agriculture, but, you know, it's not agriculture, so it's not really me. I quickly learned, you know, through through everything that I'd been doing that, that no, they, they were linked. And, and in fact, that was my advantage. That was what set me apart from, from the rest. I think it's really important now looking back on that, you know, you've got a scholarship that puts 40-odd, students from right around Australia and Australia is so diverse from right around Australia in the room together and you've got fifth generation farmers and you've got you know students that have come from a capital city in Australia and and some that have 
you know, diverse backgrounds that are, you know, not so attached to, to agriculture. And, and then you've got the ones that sit in the middle. And, you know, we talk about making a, a resilient, diversified, forward-thinking industry. That's the recipe there. You know, you need those different perspectives. You need those different views. And I've, you know, I've learned an incredible amount from the different summits um, and, and, and just, you know, being around the other, the other scholars. The placements have, you know, obviously you can have a network and then being on the ground with all sorts of different events, conferences um, that we've also been able to attend through the program just blows it out of the park. Um, and, you know, it constantly inspires you and motivates you to, to push yourself and, and to do better. So my advice would be whatever you're studying, um, if you've got a passion or a burning passion to, to really help and advance rural industries in Australia, my advice would be to seriously consider putting in an application. I'd really like to see health, um, uh, someone representing health. I think that I was health going to in ask you that. Areas, do you think there are any sectors in there that aren't represented? So you think health would be useful in there? I think particularly health. Um, I think that um, we talked about people. Everything we, we do still is sort of centred around the people and, you know, that's that's one of our greatest resources out there on, on the land or on the water and, you know, you can't have an industry without without the people, let alone um, happy, healthy people. And um, we're really seeing all around us the emphasis on um, taking extra care in, in people. And I think that health, you know, in the last few years it has, but it always has, has shone through as a really, really important front, front line on maintaining all the industries around us because it's ultimately the people um, at the centre. So I'd love to see someone from health apply and really bring that that different perspective on how we can better cater for for the people side of things. Okay, well, maybe that can be your your mission to um, over the next twelve months keep an eye out and encourage anybody you see in the mental health field or nurses or or um, med students and and see if they will put their hand up for a Horizon scholarship. Congratulations, Luke! You've had a fantastic first year. I hope it all goes well from here. Thank you, Judy. Thank you so much for for chatting. That was Horizon Scholar Luke Austin speaking there to Judy Kennedy. The AgriFutures Horizon Scholarship is awarded to students studying an agriculture-related undergraduate degree or a science, technology, engineering, maths or finance degree with relevant majors which align to agriculture. Applications are now open for the 2023 AgriFutures Horizon Scholarship but close on Friday the 13th of January 2023. If you are studying an undergraduate degree and are passionate about the future of Australia's rural industries, we encourage you to apply. Find out more at agrifutures.com.au slash horizon. You've been listening to AgriFutures On Air, a podcast brought to you by AgriFutures Australia. For full access to a huge backlog of stories on Australia's agricultural trends and innovations, research outcomes, inspiring stories from our rural leaders and insights into new and emerging rural industries, please subscribe to AgriFutures On Air on your favourite podcasting app. You can also find more information at our website, agrifutures.com.au. Agrifutures.